from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. You know the story, you know, six foot six by the time I was in the sixth grade, so everybody encouraged me to play basketball as a way of getting out of the ghetto. And uh, I was a musician in high school, a tuba player. So I took a basketball scholarship, actually was good enough to go pro, but I was injured and cut the first year. And so that caused me to go back to my first love, which was music. And this time it was piano. And I, I ne never had played piano, but I went to church and in this church service, I discovered I had this piano gift. The minister prayed for me. I just began to play right off the bat the first time. So how do you go from playing in the NBA to getting cut to sitting down and playing like George Duke? I don't know. But I decided to take this gift and put a tag on it. I call it gospel jazz, and the rest is history. Ben Tankert, minister, motivational speaker, best-selling author, reality TV dad, and gospel jazz musician. Tankard has been referred to as the godfather of gospel jazz for an instrumental magic that has bridged the gap between two genres, smooth jazz and gospel. At the time of this production, Tankard's song, Rise, is number one on the Billboard Smooth Jazz Songs chart for a second week. And did I mention these up for NAACP Image Award this year? To say Tankard came from humble beginning is an understatement. He grew up on the side of town in Daytona Beach, Florida they didn't show on television. And as many of you know, kids can be very nasty at times. Tankard, being six foot six in the sixth grade and coming to school after doing his chores on a chicken farm, you can imagine what was life like at that age. But as fate would have it, Tankard turned out all right. I'm Johnny O'Hanson Jr. and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, gospel jazz musician Ben Tankert in Black America. started a Bible study. This is a funny story. You know, we, you know, living in a small city like Murfreesboro, which is right outside of Nashville. Right. Ain't too many six foot seven black dudes walking around here that live in a mansion that own their own airplane. So people would be stopping and saying, hey, man, I see your house. I see your plane, see your cars. Man, how do you live like you live? Well, how did you, you get so successful? And so I'd use that 
to, to become the Pied Piper for the kingdom. I said, come over to the house on Thursday night. We're going to have a little Bible study, chit-chat with some coffee and, and share some kingdom success principles with you. Let me introduce you to the guy that gave me all this. Mm-hmm. It was God. And so it started out as just a little business Bible study, man. And we're drawing this thing grew to 50 people, 50 people in my living room. Since overcoming broken dreams of an NBA career and homelessness, Ben Tankard is a multi-Grammy, Dove, and Soul Train Award nominee with gold and platinum selling gospel and jazz recordings. He has earned 15 Stiller Gospel Awards, and in 2018 he was inducted into the Stiller Awards Honors Hall of Fame. And the accolades just keep on coming from this author, musician, producer, and former NBA player. At the time of this production, he's celebrating his first NAACP Image Award nomination, and his Rise album is nominated for Outstanding Jazz Album. His title song, Rise, is number one on the Billboard Smooth Jazz National Playlist chart. Often referred to as the godfather of gospel jazz, Tankard found his calling at a music store where he was hired as a keyboard demonstrator. Recently in Black America Spoke, with Ben Tankard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We excited, man. We excited. We uh just got a call from the promoter. He said that all three charts, the Smooth Jazz Top 20, the USA Today, and all Billboard, they're all saying number one again this week, two weeks in a row. That's so. two weeks. That's a blessing. So where are you off to now? I mean, tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be in Missouri tomorrow. Okay. You get you another plane yet? I uh, got another one coming in tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I treat these airplanes like a real, like a like a real estate person. You get one, live uh-huh. it in it for a while, and then just trade up and get something else. You know. <laughs> I heard that, cousin Ben. Thank you for taking time out of your day. What's going on, cuz? It's good to hear from you. How you doing? Oh, it's all blessings. To say that you grew up under extreme circumstances is an understatement. Tell me, what was life like growing up in Daytona Beach? Man, Central Florida, I, you know, I came up in Daytona. And you think about Daytona Beach, generally you think the beach and spring break, but I came up on the side of town of Daytona Beach where you never saw the beach. We were very, very poor, and uh, you know the story. You know, six foot six by the time I was in the sixth grade, so everybody encouraged me to play basketball as a way of getting out of the ghetto. And uh, I was a musician in high school, a tuba player. So I took a basketball scholarship, actually was good enough to go pro, but I was injured and cut the first year. And so that caused me to go back to my first love, which was music. And this time it was piano. And I I never had played piano, but I went to church and in this church service, I discovered I had this piano gift. The minister prayed for me and just began to play right off the bat the first time. So how do you go from playing in the NBA to getting cut to sitting down and playing like George Duke. I don't know, but I decided to take this gift and put a tag on it. I call it gospel jazz, and and the rest is history. I understand. Was it a mental adjustment once you got hurt and, and, and cut from the NBA? Oh, yeah, big time, because I didn't have any education to fall back on. I dropped out of college after just one year to go pro, so I had all my eggs in that one basket. And so I was so depressed, that's what caused me to go to church and uh, in churches where I was enlightening to this new gift that was inside of me. And I took a job as a dog catcher for a short time just to keep food on the table while I was trying to figure out what was going to go on with the music. And um, it just so happened I went into a music store while I was on my lunch break 
catching dogs. Still had my dog catching uniform on, man. And uh, I'm sitting down to the keyboard and start playing. And uh, somebody that's shopping in the store for a piano heard me playing. And she asked the store owner, she said, hey, I'd like to buy the piano that that dog catcher is playing. (laughs) And the store owner said, Ben, every time you come in here and play on your lunch break, somebody buys something. I don't think it's the pianos that they're buying. I think it's the sound that you got. I think there's something on the dog catcher. And so he hired me to become a keyboard demonstrator, and that was my first music job. And because I was able to play eight hours a day and get paid for it, I was able to start writing, developing my thoughts and themes and songs, being able to buy equipment half price with my employee discount. That's how I built the studio. And uh, one thing led to another and did my own first recording and called it All Keyed Up. company in Nashville heard about it and moved me to Nashville, and I've been here ever since. So there was no formal music training to teach you how to write? No, sir. Now, I do have the background of playing the tuba? band, okay. tuba, but that has nothing to do with Keyboard. What God gave me after that, you know, I have I don't can't even read a chord chart. I don't read piano music. Never had any lessons on how to produce, but I've written over 300 songs, produced over 500, you know, and uh, it's just something that God put inside me. How do you get all these world-renowned musicians to play with you? Man, it is just such a favor of God, man, to have um people like Drew Albright and and um Marion Meadows and Kurt Whalem and all these people, you know, Paul Jackson Jr., it's just the favor of God that I've just been able to call these people. And they've been fans of mine as long as I've been a fan of theirs. So whenever I call somebody and say, I'd like you to play on my record, they always say, man, I got all your CDs. I've been waiting for you to call. <laughs> when you wrote Get Your Praise On in 1997, we're going to go back a little bit. What was that all about? Well, you know, everybody was uh, uh, using the slangs like... Um, you know, it's time to get your groove on or when they went to eat and said, I'm trying to, I'm about to get my eat on. And I had never heard anybody use the phrase, get your praise on. So I came up with a funky beat that was actually inspired by Brandy's I Want to Be Down With You. So mm-hmm. I took sort of the beat with that and wrote some lyrics and that thing became a national anthem for praise and worship leaders. And so now even when you go to a church that has a praise team, or choir, when they get up, that's the first thing that the praise leader says, hey, church, good morning. Are y'all ready to get your praise on? I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody said that, man, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> Do you find it difficult in in going between the two genres, jazz and then gospel jazz, is there such a term? Well, you know, um, I, this is like the way I like to call it, that uh, jazz is the vehicle, mm-hmm. but but good news is the passenger. You know, gospel is the good news. So I don't think they're competitive, especially since I'm an instrumentalist. When I, you know, I take a song like Amazing Grace and play it in a jazzy style, you know, I can be in a, in a outside in front of 30,000 people on the lawn in Austin and, and play this thing at a jazz festival, but be in a church the very next morning and play the same thing and not have to change anything. You because enjoy- the music is universal. I understand. You and Jewel have been married now for, for, for 19 years. What was it about her when you all eyes met? Man, I said, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> I see what I want. <laughs> 
And I had experienced divorce a couple times. Mm -hmm. She had experienced divorce one time. So when we got together, we already had history and we knew how to have a bad marriage really, really good. (laughs) So so we said this time around, let's get our mentors involved. Let's get our pastors involved. Let's get our parents involved. Let's sit down and let's do this thing right. Get some counseling and look at this thing through different eyes. So this time, let's have a marriage that really works. And it's 19 years and we've been having a great time at it. You all started a ministry in 2002. Tell us about that. It's called the Destiny Center. Uh, we started a Bible study. This is a funny story. You know, we, you know, living in a small city like Murfreesboro, which is right outside of Nashville. Right. Ain't too many six foot seven black dudes walking around here that live in a mansion that own their own airplane. So people would be stopping and saying, hey, man, I see your house. I see your plane, see your cars. Man, how do you live like you live? Well, how did you, how'd you get so successful? And so I'd use that to, to become the Pied Piper. For the kingdom, I said, come over to the house on Thursday night. We're going to have a little Bible study, chit-chat with some coffee and share some kingdom success principles with you. Let me introduce you to the guy that gave me all this. Mm-hmm. It was God. And so it started out as just a little business Bible study, man. And we're John, this thing grew to 50 people, 50 people in my living room. <laughs> 50 people in my living room. My wife said, uh, son, she said, she said, baby, this is not a um, Bible study. This is this is a church. You know, this is too many people using my bathroom. <laughs> That's too bad. Too many people using my bathroom. You and Jesus need to get a need to get a building. So she kicked me and Jesus out the living room. We had to rent a building and call it Destiny Center. <laughs> and now we're on our third building. I understand. You understand? You uh, discovered somewhat Yolanda Adams. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> I'd like I'd like to say I discovered Yolanda Adams, but the truth is Yolanda Adams discovered me. I heard that. You know, we uh, connected. Uh, she was a third grade school teacher, and I had just moved to Nashville, and the company I was working with wanted me to pull in some more gospel artists, some singing artists. I was an instrumentalist, but they wanted to sign some gospel singers. So they said, here's a budget. We want you to go discover some artists and record them, and let's put them out here and see what happens. And uh, Yolanda Adams was the first one that I signed, and uh, her voice with my music went viral. And uh, she, I'm, uh, she was more responsible for bringing my music to the forefront than I was to bringing her voice to the forefront. So we kind of just discovered each other. I oh, know that's right. If you're just joining us, I'm Johnny O'Hanson Jr., and you're listening to In Black America from KUT Radio. We're speaking with Ben Tankard, minister, motivational speaker, best-selling author, gospel jazz musician, reality TV star. Ben, understand that your song Rise is on the number one billboard in two charts? Number one Billboard, number one Smooth Jazz America, and number one uh, USA Today. So how did you and Marion Meadows get together? Well, me and Mar- Marion uh, would see each other on the road often doing concerts, and then he moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. So when he moved to Nashville, I said, Marion, man, we got to get, to get together. He said, the time will be right. The time will be right. So I decided to do this Rise Cut, which is a remake of Herb Alpert's phenomenal 1979 hit and i said man his smooth tone on that soprano would be the perfect addition to this track so i sent it to him he got in his studio it took him six weeks to do it because he was on the road but he'd do a little bit of it send me a sample of it do some more in the studio you know these days you don't have to get in the studio together you just send a wave track and they (laughs) play on top of it send it back to you, you mix it in so we were never in the same room together when we recorded it 
understand that you up for NAACP Image Award? Man, probably the biggest award of my career, man. Um, I've been nominated for and Grammys and won several stellars, but this is this image award. This mm-hmm. is something different, man. This is like uh, to the heart of the matter of you know your own community telling you you did good and you've made a contribution. Uh, this is legacy, legacy, man. So this is a big deal. I'm too excited about it. So what outstanding was, album. So what was your reaction when you got the call? Uh, when I passed out or when I got up. <laughs> <laughs> Give us both. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I felt like it was just like when the Five Heartbeat heard their music on the radio mm-hmm. the first time. You remember, like, oh, my God. Right, right. <laughs> and I've been doing this almost 30 years, man, but I refuse for it to become old hat. Uh, everything that happens, I'm just super, super grateful. I'm grateful to be even on the phone with you today. This is awesome. I understand. When, when the end of the day comes when do you know you've had a good day (laughs) man i'm and i'm you know i've got a great wife a great family a great career people are patting me on the back man i'm happy than a witch in the broom factory with a 95 percent off coupon (laughs) i I understand (laughs) you all had a reality tv show what thicker than water how was that experience it was fun, man. We did three seasons. We fulfilled our contract obligation to Bravo. We're still going to keep doing it, but we're not going to do it with Bravo. We we um we did three seasons with them, a uh, blended family deal, and um it was time to either re-sign with them for more seasons or do our own thing. One thing about reality TV is that it brings a lot of opportunities to you. You know, if you're a musician, mm-hmm. it makes your schedule go out of the roof and it makes you, you know, more people are exposed to you. But if you just do TV over and over and over and over and never take time to dig through the opportunities that it creates, then it kind of defeats its purpose. And so I believe I'm number one now because I took a year and a half off from the reality show to actually get in the studio and do a good record and get out here and promote it. I wouldn't, couldn't, be, couldn't be able to do that with uh, 15 cameras in tow, right. you know. So, um, so we're going to get back to it this summer, and we're not going to do it. We're not going to call it Thicker Than Water. We're just going to call it The Tankers. That's easier to brand, easier to remember. So keep looking for us this summer. We'll be back out with The Tankers. I understand. Last time we spoke about three years ago, you had a book out. How was that experience? Man, the book was phenomenal, and it is still um, selling. And we won uh, Inspirational Book of the Year with Essence Magazine. It's called The Full Tank Life, and mm-hmm. uh, it's available on Amazon and, and um, Barnes and all those places. And it just shows you how to take the hand that you've been given and, and, and have a full life with what God has given you right now. It doesn't mean that it's over because you are happy about right now. What it means is that you make a decision to have a good time and not delay your happiness to a person, place, or thing, or event. I know Jewel and the kids are going to keep you level-headed, but how do you go about keeping yourself grounded? Man, uh, yeah, I don't have to try to keep myself grounded. I have embarrassing <laughs> moments every day that keep me grounded. You know, like uh, when somebody uh, came up to me and Jewel, uh, and uh, somebody went my autograph, and when I gave it to him, it was a Chinese guy. He walked up and said, "Thank you very much, Michael Jordan." I'm like, "Oh, I'm Ben Tanker. I thought you, said, <laughs> I thought you were Ben Tanker's autograph." <laughs> so you know, there are certain things that happen that keep you keep you grounded, keep you focused. Like my wife. Would say, honey, I know you got a lot of Grammys and Stellars and stuff, but I need I need you to take the garbage out. So, all right, okay, baby, I'll take it out. <laughs> 
And I was talking to Julie, well, I was texting Julie the other day. I saw her on television, Impact, I think, comes on on Wednesday, particularly uh, here here in Texas. How do you all keep the marriage working? She's doing the millionaires thing, and, and you're doing the musical gospel jazz thing, making it all work and having time to spend with each other. Well, we just kind of intertwine our lives. You know, I'm inside her, she's inside mine. We sit down and we compare notes. We try to consolidate our schedules. Um, we have a home in Atlanta. Uh, we just bought a condo in Detroit, Deer- Dearborn, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a vacation pad in Florida. So uh, we refuse to get bored and stagnant and settle. You know, we don't sit in one spot. We say, "Hey, let's this week. Let's go to Atlanta house. Let's let's we can work from there. Or next week, let's go from to the Detroit house." So we keep it moving and keep it exciting. That way, we're not bored with each other or what we're doing. I understand. A lot of people don't know that in the beginning, a lot of your music was on the Weather Channel. Still is. Still, Still is. is. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you turn it on and get the the weather report for on the eights, mm-hmm. that's me. That's me. <laughs> So where are you off to tomorrow? I, I, I am going to be uh, in Sykeston, Missouri tomorrow for an outdate festival, um, uh, a festival for young kids. And then I'm on to um, Tampa to do something for a fathers and son, I mean, fathers and daughters banquet. So we try to do as many community events as well as the jazz events, because it's all about taking your brand and your your influence and using it to make other people better. That's what we love to do. Speaking of travel, how often are you all on the road? Every single week. That's why we got the airplanes, man. We uh, we do uh, two to three events a week, but because you got the airplane, you can fly out and come right back, fly out, come right back, and you mm-hmm. hit two cities in a week's time, and the church doesn't even know I was out of town between Wednesday and Sunday. I understand. A young person listening to this program, what advice would you part to them? First of all, you've got to recognize the giftings that God has put inside you. First, you want to discover what those things are. That means you want to, uh, what comes easy, write that thing down. What comes easy to you? What do you think about? What do you lose track of time uh, with when you start doing it? So once you recognize what you're good at, then hone on those skills, develop it, and then share it. Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Don't try to uh, create your identity by looking at what's going on, on on social media. Look inside you because what's new will be what grows and goes to the heart, not what you repeat in somebody else. Don't try to be a replica of somebody else. Just be the very best you that you can be. Are you continuing your involvement with the NBA? Yes, sir. Occasionally, I'm a, I'm able to um, communicate with the minor league guys and um, and usually encourage them as to what life is like outside of basketball because basketball is only going to be a five to seven year most guys. There are some guys that stay for fifteen years or so, but for the most part, you're talking about three to seven, eight years maybe. So. I don't talk about how to be a better basketball player. When I get opportunity to talk to them, I talk about I talk about what to plan for mm-hmm. and what to start putting in motion for life outside of basketball. Are you still in the fashion business? Yes, sir. Getting ready to start working on the big and tall line for for um, next fall, man. So we we try to have as many irons on the fire as possible. A lot of people listen to you. Who do you listen to when you have a time? <laughs> Uh, well, um, from a musical standpoint, man, I, you know, I, Gerald Albright, 
is my guy. I listen to a lot of classical music too, you know, so I like to relax and listen to classical music. And of course, Joel Osteen being a real good friend of mine, we've traveled together right. from a ministry standpoint. I really like listening to him to him and John Maxwell in terms of leadership and motivation. I understand. Any final comments, Cousin Ben? Man, just excited about you guys at Ben Tankard. It's all my social media. Come uh, to the concerts when we're in the area, and we hope to see y'all soon, man. Tankard, minister, motivational speaker, best-selling author, reality TV dad, and gospel jazz musician. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard us over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio. One University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio. One University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.